Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nate Cashdan. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Good morning. I encourage all parents who are going out to drop their kids off to come back to... Seriously, though, I had a, a um, just this impression as I was sitting there, how often, how easily distracted we are in America. This has nothing to do with the message today, but also everything to prepare for it. That how often, I mean, it's not just your phone. Don't even get me started on your phone, because I'll probably break it. But, but just the, there's so many things that are like, it's like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get a donut. When really, it's like, you know, that could be a tactic of the enemy to get you out of the room for the 10 seconds that he needs you to miss something that's going to be said. And I'm not, I'm, obviously, if you got a PP, do we, do we need a sign for that? Can you make a slide, Sloan? No? Okay. But I, I'm just saying, I'm just, the, the, the reverence for the Lord in meetings like this, like we help people focus when we stay focused. We help our kids stay focused when they watch an us burn in focus. I feel like I'm breathing normally, but I hear myself breathing. All right, we'll try that. Doesn't work. I'll grab the handheld. All right. That being said, good morning. morning. Everybody's all like, oh, I should have peed before. (laughs) I ain't going to call anybody out. Don't worry. If it makes you feel better, I forgot to be due, so... If you missed the message, um, a few weeks ago we did, uh, sorry, this is just bugging me. I'm going to turn it off. Y'all know I don't need it. (laughs) All right. But uh, if you're here a few weeks ago for, this is a part two of probably a three-part message on family revival that put together. And uh, if you missed the message a few weeks ago, part one, having to do with the relationship between husbands and wives, men and women, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, actually, I'm just going to ask you very nicely, please go back and listen to it if you, because um, encouragement's too weak and gives us too big of an out. Um, but uh, I, I just ask you nicely, please go listen to it, uh, because I think, I think the Lord really had some good things to say through me. Can I say that? I mean that humbly. Um, I'm just saying, um, yeah, obviously this wasn't like Nate put together a real eloquent word. It just, it was real important. I think real timely, uh, for where we find ourselves today in our culture and in these end times. Um, and also because a lot of what I talked about, I'm not going to review today. Um, because it's not fair to everyone who was here. (laughs) So, um, Go back and listen to it. It's online. Sloan does a great job with our podcast. If you don't subscribe to it, I'd ask you to do that as well. It's really cool. Um, But I also want to say that since that Sunday a few weeks ago, I have heard multiple testimonies of God already moving in marriages in this church. I'm serious. Multiple testimonies. So I heard testimonies the next day. The next day, people were emailing me. Like, hey, just want to let you know, like, might not be that big of a deal. I'm like, no, it's a big deal. 
It's a huge deal. And then in the weeks to come, like, hey, we listened to that word, and, like, this got healed in our marriage. Or, hey, we listened to that, and my husband started doing this. Hey, we listened to that, and my wife started doing this. And it's like, come on. So we're going to continue to pray in the same vein to see proper spiritual headship in homes. All right, amen. Go back and listen to it. Um, so we're talking, if you have the notes, it'll help you, I guess. Uh, if you don't have them, raise your hand. One of the hosts will get them to you. Um, I just want, I had actually people ask me for my notes the last time, and I didn't hand any out. I just had to send them my preaching notes, which are, like, only understandable to me. So I was like, I'm sorry, you know. Um, maybe I should pay a transcriptionist to just type everything I say, but hopefully this will help you. I tried to write down some things that I might talk about. But we're talking about family revival, and what I mean uh, you know, revival is a term that, I mean, I've, I've heard revival used in secular terms. You know, it's kind of, it can be ambiguous, so I like to define terms. And um, it's what I mean when I, when I say that it's the idea, literally, of a spark that's nearly extinguished, that used to be really fiery, now it's down to a spark, and then something happens where that spark is revived, and it becomes a burning flame again, okay, like a bonfire. That's the picture. That's what the word means. So we use it a lot to describe the church. We, use it, we say we want revival in the church, meaning the capital C church, believers everywhere. We want revival in the church of Jesus Christ, not the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints if you were in Sunday school this morning. That'll make fun to you, or it makes sense to you. Um, but, but revival in the church. And so what we're doing is we're taking that same definition of revival, and we applied it a few weeks ago. We applied it to, uh, to families in the context of husbands and wives. And today we're going to apply it into families in the context of the relationship between parents and children. But it's not, it's not some of you are like, well, my kids are out, so I'm going to go get a donut. No, it's, it's uh, I heard you, Dan. I heard you think that. But it's, it's, actually, it's actually the fa your family and your household, but it's also the family of God. Your spiritual children, people that you don't even know that you influence and who are influenced by watching you. And, and as spiritual children to our spiritual parents, okay, our mentors, pastors, elders, those, Hebrews says that the Lord has placed over us, okay? And so this, this is relative, I think, to everyone. Uh, in this room, as we talked about, and I've said before many times, that personal revival precedes family revival. Family revival precedes, precedes revival in a local church. The local church experiencing revival will see its region experiencing revival. A regional revival leads to statewide. Statewide leads to nationwide. Okay, this is a this is a a. Uh, something that we've seen happen in history. It's just a historic, when you go back and you study revivals, you see that it wasn't like necessarily everybody was just all meeting together and all of a sudden the entire region was changed. It usually started with one person that fasted and prayed for years. And they were personally revived. And then they had other people gather around them and watch them burn who were personally revived. And then their families got on fire for the Lord and then a church and then a region moves from there. And that's where, we, that's where we're going. Write that down. Um... Some of this is review. I'm just going to skip it. Today's focus being specifically on the relationship between parents and kids. There's some of you in this room are in the are still in the category of being a kid, meaning you're still the child in your parents' home specifically. 
Uh, some of you are in the category of still parenting children in your home. Some of you aren't. Either you don't have kids right now or you're just grandparents or you're waiting on grandkids, totally like kicking your kids like, hey, when are you going to have kids? Which, by the way, side note, don't do that. No, I'm serious. Listen, Kaylee and I had a lot of trouble getting pregnant. And every time there's a family gathering, they're like, hey, man, when are you all going to start popping out kids? Don't you guys want kids? Hey, church, hey, why don't you all, when are you going to have kids? When are we going to see a little belly? When are we going to see some good? And on the inside, we're like, I want to punch you in the throat. Because <laughs> it makes you feel like you don't know how to do it. That's real talk right there. I'm just going to stop. You guys, sometimes I want to let you in on my brain. Seriously, there's 30 things just now in that moment, 30 things. And I want to tell you that my filter is on today. No, but I'm telling you, just that's just a side note. Don't pressure your kids to give you grandkids because they're not your family. They're your relatives. They're taking care of their own family, and they have their own issues they're working through. You can pray for them, and you can let them know you support them and you love them, but stop pressuring them into giving you grandkids. Stop pressuring your friends into having babies. They want babies. They're trying. All right. That's free. You know when you go to a restaurant and they're like, hey, the chef's just sampling these things today, and they bring it out to you like, I didn't order it, but it's good. That's what that was. All right. Remember that if I say something that offends you today, remember that I love you. And... Uh, I'm not trying to offend anybody because I don't have this all together and I don't have it all perfect. So um, remember I said some of the things that are detrimental to family revival in the context of husband and wife relationships are some things that we say out of our mouths, right? Some things that guys would say were like, yeah, church is for my wife. Spiritual stuff is her thing. Worship is her thing, right? And women would say things like, you know, and my husband never, he doesn't know how to lead me. And, he, and, and these things that are not conducive to healthy marriages and definitely not conducive to setting your household up for revival. Well, there's similar things in the context of parents to kids that I've heard personally many, many times. And I'm going to say what some of those things are. If you said these things, I don't want you to be like, ah, I'm going to hell. I just want you, to, I just want you to, go, to really let it hit you, though. Okay? Here's some things that I've heard from parents. They're detrimental to family revival. We go to church for the kids. We need to find a church that the kids like. We really need to get the kids to church. We've been wanting to get the kids to church so that the kids can experience it. I really want to make sure that my kids can go to church. How many? Uh, don't raise your hand. I just want to tell you that, first of all, if you said that or if you have that view currently, that's a wrong view. And here's why it's wrong. I mean, yes, get your kids to church. But why it's wrong. Oh, thanks. I'm four years old. Thank you, Ashton. <laughs> thanks, Dad. <laughs> that's a true friend. Kaylee just texted me. You have gum in your mouth. 
Y'all take care of me. This is the family of God right here. Yeah. All right. Back to where we were. The reason it's wrong to have that view is because whether you know it or not, you're basically trying to get rid of any sort of responsibility that you are supposed to have in raising your kids in the things of the Lord. Not only that, you're putting off your own responsibility of your own relationship with the Lord. and saying It's some sort of false martyrdom. That's what that is. It's a false martyrdom, which is a religious spirit. It's that, that look how good I am. I make sure my kids get to church. I'll tell you what, hell is full of people that were in church. Okay. If we treat relationship with Jesus like taking our kids to Urban Air or a birthday party or grandma's house, like it's an event, you know, like, like church on Sunday is like, like a thing that's on our schedule. We got to make sure we go and we got to make sure we hear the stories. We got to make sure we, so that we, and then we, we treat the same. We're like, oh yeah, we're going to go to Urban Air. We got to make sure we get there on time. We got to make sure we get on the jumpies. You got to make sure you do all the fun things and then you go to a birthday and it just becomes a thing and we've totally missed the point. I'm telling you the best thing that you can do as a parent, the best thing that you can do as a parent to model kingdom living in your home is to do just that. Model kingdom living in your home. Best thing you can do as a grandparent is to model kingdom living. Have your kids and grandkids gather around and watch you burn for Jesus. Living a lifestyle of prayer, dedication to the Lord, fasting, loving, giving generously. When your kids see you set on fire, that's how they learn. When kids see mom set on fire and dad not set on fire, the girls will grow up to be set on fire and the boys won't. Don't think you're exempt. Like, yeah, that might be true for most families, but it ain't true for my family. No, it's true. God's obviously bigger than your circumstance and he can do many things. You're not dooming your children, right? Your children, many of you grew up with unbelieving parents, okay? And God's good. But I'm telling you that we, to set our families up not just for success and salvation and for family revival, which will lead to church revival, which will lead to regional revival, but to set your family up for success. Your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is where it starts. You see, water always flows downhill. Alex is a plumber. We used to, we have a thing that we used to say about plumbers, and I've made it rated PG so that I could say it here today. There's two things you need to know to be a plumber. Water flows downhill and paydays on Friday. It's a joke. It's a plumber joke. But water truly does flow downhill, meaning that you cannot expect to get your kids real fiery by making sure that they're in the right Sunday school class and make sure they go to VBS. We want to get our kids, like, like the parents that are like, we got to just put them in all the VBSs. We don't like have a relationship with Jesus. We're going to put them in VBS, then we're going to go get mimosas, and then we're going to come back because they got, you know, I want our kids to be nice. We know, and it's a church, so it's like, well, they're not going to teach them weird stuff at a church, so we just drop them up, and it's 20 bucks. It's like the cheapest babysitting you'll ever find, right? So we're going to take them to all the, the kids' things. And now as the church, we're like, yeah, if we need to get your kids saved to get you saved, sure, we'll go that route. It's not the route that's on the Lord's heart. Like, it's not plan A, but it's plan B. Amen. 
See, Juice, you're just teaching the kid how to, it's like, oh, man, it's awesome. See, water flows downhill. The best way that we could impart the kingdom into the next generation is to make sure it's imparted to us. And then model it in front of our kids. I love that, my, that our kids are in here for worship for the first part. I don't ever, when I was, when I was young, kind of the, the, uh, the liturgy was very important to follow, right? Meaning, you know, it was very, it wasn't, it wasn't like you're going to get necessarily punished if you didn't stand up when everyone was standing, if you didn't sing the words that were in the hymnal, if you didn't, but, the, but it was basically like fall in line, you know, and, and more, more of a, more of a dedication to the process or a dedication to the liturgy than a dedication to the man Jesus, now, we don't necessarily do it perfect as parents, Kaylee and I, but we thought, we're like, I would rather have our kids just watch us be fiery for Jesus and then talk to them about it than say, stand up and say these words to make it, make it look like you're worshiping, which is, what we, which, is, which is dangerous. Now, we, don't, we also don't just let them kind of flippantly do whatever they want, which is also wrong. I'll talk about that in a minute. But, uh, but we've realized that the wins that we experience as parents, even with kids that aren't our own, meaning like, you know, we, when we help in the kids class over here, which is great, the wins that we experience, we realize they've actually mimicked a behavior they've seen, not mimic something they've heard. We're like, hey, where did you see that? And we're like, oh, actually, I did that. You know, and it shocks you, like, they were watching me? I wasn't even trying to teach them in that moment. Every time you sit down and try to teach them, right? And then you turn around and you're like, freaking LeBron James is such an idiot. And they're like, hey, LeBron James is an idiot. <laughs> you know, and you're, and, you're like, and you're like, I didn't tell them that. No, you did. They just decided to listen when you weren't teaching. You know, you know what I mean? It's great. My kids do that to me all the time. They'll come to me and say something like, where did you hear that? They're like, you? I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Let's not tell mom. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, there's some scriptures that we're going to go through here. You can follow along with them. They're going to be skipping around a little bit. Feel free to open your Bibles. I encourage it, but they'll be on the, on the screen if you need them. Proverbs 22.6, great verse with a promise. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. I want to encourage you, parents who got saved after your children had already left the home, that the promise doesn't escape you. Okay, and that you pray and intercede for the salvation of your kids even still. You don't go, hey, I didn't raise them up, therefore they'll never come back. You say, no, God is good, and I'm going to pray that they encounter and experience Jesus now. Okay, you continue that. This is also, this isn't a, a religious verse where you go, well, all I have to do is teach them to say the right things and go to the right places, and then they'll go to heaven. No. The way that he should go is in through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The way that he should go, train a child up in the way he should go, is under the biblical statutes, okay? Under the precepts of scripture. It's not, it's not train them up to be nice people. It's not train them up to be conservative. That'll just be a natural byproduct of following the true Jesus. I'm serious, though. We have, to, we have to prioritize the right things. 
Lazy parenting is an epidemic in our culture. Lazy parenting is one of the hardest things to watch. It has been for many years. It's not a new thing. When you let kids run your household and your schedule, uh, your priorities, your beliefs, and kids run it, you've fallen into lazy parenting. Lazy parenting is anti-biblical. It leads to entitlement and disrespect and disobedience. And entitlement, disrespect, and disobedience leads to the condition that we find our culture in today. Okay? Some of these weirdos that are leading sections of our country in education or in government or whatever are the, are the type of people that got awards for things they didn't do, participation trophies, and were allowed to do whatever they wanted because they needed to explore who they were. We want them to determine who they are. We want them to find a real good sense of themselves. Doesn't this sound familiar to you? This is such baloney. It's like, we, well, we just need them, we need them to be able to say what they want to say so that they don't feel rejected. <laughs> All right. Kind of quiet in here. Intentional parenting is very hard. If anybody comes to you and tells you parenting's easy, they're not a parent or they're lying. <laughs> Amen, parents? Parenting is fun, rewarding, right? It's very uh, sobering, but it is not easy. And if it's easy for you, we might rethink how we're doing it. Intentional parenting takes love, humility, courage, strength, and help from outside of your home. If you think, fathers especially, that you guys got it all handled, that we have it handled, I call for help all the time. I'm like, oh, this is new. <laughs> hey, what's up? Sorry, I should have done like this. Hey, what's up? <laughs> and then I get help. I call multiple people. Kaylee and I reach out and go, we, we knew how to deal with yesterday's issue, but today is a new issue. And it's the first time we've been there. Don't pretend to know what you're doing. Um, parenting is always worth the struggle because as Sarah Adams and Todd Adams say, we're not raising children, we're raising adults. And they're going to be adults for way longer than they are children. You're raising world changers, and it has to be with intention. New parenting methods scare me. Did you hear what I said? How many people will come to you and be like, oh, it's this new book on parenting? I'm like, nope, I'm good. Actually, the old ones work for me. The old ones that are rooted in scripture that, does, you know, written by the Lord that does not change, I'll take those ones. Now, if you want to write me a new book on applying the old method, I'll read it. Danny Silk has some good books that are newer, applying the old method. That's good. But I've had people come up and say, it's always this new style of parenting. I want nothing to do with it. Because it basically means I've found an anti-biblical way of raising my children that makes me feel good, and it's easier. You see, well, all right. That's enough of that. You get the idea. As a parent... We're going to switch to kids here in spiritual family in just a sec. But as a parent, you better be prepared to disappoint your children for their own good. Did you hear that? You better be prepared to disappoint your kids for their own good. 
What if God just lets you do whatever you want? What if God never told you no? Probably wouldn't be here today. You just, God said, well, I just want them to experience life and get the most out of it and just do whatever they want. I don't ever want to tell them no. That'll hurt their self-esteem. Jeez. See, true love, 1 Corinthians 13, Kyle read this last week, true love is not self-seeking. When you find an easier method of parenting that's anti-biblical, you've just made things easier for who? For yourself. So you've made it selfish, so it's therefore now not what? Loving. As soon as you go above and beyond to remove responsibility from yourself, that's selfish, and therefore it's not loving, according to 1 Corinthians 13, 5. See, by not telling your children no or disciplining them, guiding them, correcting them, you're just making things harder on them later and easier on you in the moment. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 4. You know what's so funny? Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, talks about this relationship between children and parents, and then a few verses later, it talks about the armor of God. Is that a coincidence? It's like, here's some parenting stuff. Oh, and here's armor for battle. That's what Paul said. Paul's like writing this, and he's like, you know, as soon as he starts talking about parenting, he's immediately like, oh, we need to tell them about shields and helmets and swords and boots. They're going to, that's, a, it's just like a few verses, a paragraph later. It's amazing. Anyways, yeah. Uh, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. If you're a child in this room that still lives in your home, and I see a, a few of you here, this is like your job. You're like, well, what do I do? Obey your parents. What else? As soon as you get that one down, we'll talk about what's next. <laughs> I'm serious. Obedience is respectful, safe, smart, loving, and obedient to God. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Love this, quoting the Old Testament here, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. What's the secret to long life and a happy life and things going well with you, kids? What is it? Honor your mother and father. I love that. But I'll tell you what, your kids don't learn to honor you, as parents, they don't learn respect. They don't learn obedience by us just kind of letting them run the house. They also don't learn it primarily by you teaching it to them verbally, although you should. Do you know the primary way that they learn to honor their father and mother and obey? Do you know, do you know how they learn? Watching you honor your father, mother, both natural and spiritual, and obey the Lord. That's how they learn. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I just want to talk real quickly about what it means to exasperate our children. It's not a complete list. This is taken from another pastor, um, but it helps kind of bring it into a context. I want you to think about this as we start to transition here briefly. I want you to think about this as the relationship between spiritual children and spiritual parents as well, okay? So our spiritual children, those who we pour into, those who the Lord has put us over in, in really any context, okay? So 
whether I'm in a one-on-one mentorship or discipleship relationship, this person is more of a spiritual child, whether you're, you're gleaning from a, a, a teacher or a preacher or something like that, a spiritual father, spiritual mother, uh, your pastors, your elders, spiritual leaders who have been put over you, Hebrews 13, 17, the Lord has placed over you. These are, this relationship of spiritual parent to spiritual child, it's not an accidental met- metaphor in Scripture. It's not an accidental comparison. It's used because some of the exact same principles apply in that relationship as well. So here's some of the ways as parents, specifically fathers, we can exasperate our children that we should not do. Number one, constantly making promises and plans and then breaking them. Uh, Number two, crushing violent discipline. Discipline can be physical, yes, but never violent and never done out of anger. Number three, being inconsistent, meaning rules are changing all the time. Sometimes you enforce the rules, sometimes you don't. You let them get away with stuff in some circumstances, usually in front of other people, but not in others, usually at home. Let me stop right here. Part of the reason or part of the way that I was raised to be respectful was that people at church who were not my parents would not let me be disrespectful to them. People at church would let my parents stop and correct me when I was being rude in front of them. Your primary responsibility as parents is to parent your kids, not to entertain me in a conversation. If you're having a conversation in a restaurant and your child needs correction, stop what you're doing and talk to your child. What if they get offended that I'm not talking to them anymore? Then they get offended. What if your, parent, what if your child is exasperated because you don't correct them in that circumstance? Then when they do the exact same thing when you get home, you spank them. They're confused. Why was it okay here and not okay here? Then you teach them, oh, it's okay to do that in public. Just not okay to do that at home. And you wonder why your kids are out of control in public, because you taught them to be. That's exasperation of the child. They have no idea what consistency looks like. We have to be consistent. I can't tell you how many conversations I have interrupted. Hundreds. And I just, very polite, excuse me. And I'll go, I'll address my, the kid. We have to do, and you're teaching other people how to do it when you do that. It's a win, 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 win. Number four, constant nagging or picking apart their actions. You know, just everything they do, you're just like, uh, 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 like they can't ever win. They do, you're never celebrating them for their accomplishments, for their wins. Number five, embarrassing them in front of their friends and family, like as a way to get back at them. Some things that you do, when you correct them in public, it will be embarrassing, For them, that's not the same thing. I'm talking about purposefully putting their business in the street in front of people who don't need to know about it as a way to sort of try to quiet them down. It's horrible. Number six, being a hypocrite in front of them, right? Because I tell you what, kids, they see you at home Monday through Saturday, and they see you be somebody different here on Sunday, they're going to be like, why are they different? They see it. They're not so dumb. Number seven, having favorites. Seems obvious, right? But I was on a bike ride with Zeb the other day. He's nine years old. And he goes, Dad, who's your favorite kid? 
Do you know what I said? Nope. Like he knows, but he's, he's like, he's like, all right, all right, all right. Who's your least annoying kid? I said, nope. Okay, 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 okay. But if you had to pick to hang out with one of us, which one would it be? Nope. Also, I'm hanging out with you right now, so what does that even matter? You know, but don't have favorites. Number eight, not saying sorry when you're wrong. Parents, if you don't apologize to your kids, start, because you mess up all the time. And the way, and you're like, and you try to teach your kids to apologize to each other when they mess up, and you're like, why don't they just apologize? Why don't they just? It's because you don't apologize when you're wrong. And you're modeling that it's okay to treat them horrible or to make a mistake and then to just forget about it and just move on without, without fixing it. You can exasperate your children when you don't say sorry, when you're wrong. We make ourselves ready for revival in our families when marriages are healthy and honoring God, like we talked about a few weeks ago, and when relationships between children and parents are healthy and honoring God. And then and only then can the Lord begin to reignite the flame that's almost extinguished. Just a couple minutes. Spiritual children and spiritual parents. Okay, it's the same verses, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, honor your spiritual mothers and your spiritual fathers so that it may go well for you, those who the Lord has placed over you. Spiritual parents, don't exasperate your spiritual children. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't lord our position as some sort of mentor over another person and just treat them like a second-class citizen, like you're better than them. And spiritual children, we honor our spiritual parents as someone who, as people who the Lord, the Lord himself has placed over us. I have to honor my spiritual parents. Revival in the family. Worship team, you guys can come back up. Revival in the family is this step, like we talked about, after personal revival that will lead to transformation in a church. That's where we're going in River in the Hills, okay? We're not, we're not stopping short of everything that's in God's heart to be poured out on our body. The next time we talk about family revival, the next part is talking about relationships between brothers and sisters in the church context. That's going to be a lot of fun. But I'm telling you right now, if we can come and we can hear these things, okay, we can amen them, believe them. But until we implement and make change in our home, nothing changes. God is waiting behind his promises to show up and do his part. He will always show up and do his part. Every promise, there is, he, it's impossible for him to not keep his promises. He will always show up and do his part. But so many times in scripture, we see conditions laid out to him being able to fulfill his promises. Those conditions involve us lining up with his word, his plans, and his purposes. And as men and women, fathers and mothers, we have to make changes and adjustments in our households for these things to be able to be released in our households. If you want your children to be fiery followers of Jesus, if you want your children to not go to hell,
then you need to be a fiery follower of Jesus. Not one person on this day and another person the next day. We don't bring revival into our family by making sure that our kids have a good influence sometimes. We bring revival into our family by hosting the Holy Spirit well, by welcoming Jesus in and by making him Lord over every area of your life, by repenting from sin, by getting the junk out of your home, out of your marriage, and pursuing him with your whole heart. That is how you will be able to pass down an inheritance of kingdom living to your kids when you embody it as their parents, when we embody it as their parents, know that I, you know, we don't do this perfectly. I'm in it with you. Kaylee and I are in it with you. We don't have all the answers. Would you stand with me? like to give an opportunity for people to get saved right now. I hope if you're in this room, you're tuned in. But being in this room doesn't save you. Being next to a bunch of people that are saved doesn't save you. Being brought up in a certain religion or faith doesn't save you. Meaning that if you die having not confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll go to hell. Probably one of the most loving pieces of information that you can know. I don't, I don't like the brimstone message when it's delivered with judgment in your heart and hatred. But the Bible is very clear on that point. But if you die separated from Jesus, or if he comes back, that you're not gonna spend eternity with him. And I want everyone in this room to spend eternity with him. If the Lord desires that none perish, and I want my heart to be aligned with his, then I desire that none perish. And I hope you in this room who, have, who are, are saved, who are following Jesus, I hope you have a desire that none perish. And that you pray earnestly for salvation of those that you know that are lost. But there's an opportunity right now to confess your sins, to repent, meaning to turn from your old style of living and begin to live a new way. To say, I believe that Jesus was born an infant, that he, he's God, he was uncreated, that he came to this world as a baby, lived a sinless life, and then died an atoning death on the cross, meaning that he died a death that he didn't deserve. He decided to die. And what happened on the cross was an exchange like Lynn was talking about earlier. That exchange was that every bit of wrath in God's heart that was stored up for each one of us here in this room because of our natural separation from God and the sin that we commit and will commit, all of that wrath that was due for that sin went on Jesus. All of it. All of it. 
And Jesus poured out his righteousness or his right standing with the Father for everyone who would believe in him. It's not for everyone. It's for everyone who would believe in him. So if you believe that, and if you're believing it for the first time today, the Bible says you're saved, but I want you to come forward, and I want you to confess and repent and say, I'm following Jesus. That's one of the responses. And you can come forward at any time. I'm gonna give a couple here. The next response is water baptism. If you are following Jesus, maybe following Jesus for the first time today, we're gonna to probably baptize you as well, but if you wanna be water baptized, you're following Jesus and you haven't been baptized since saying yes to Jesus, okay? If you're baptized as a baby, it don't count. Believe and be baptized. So if you haven't been baptized since you believe, I wanna baptize you today, we have extra clothes if you need it. If you have been away from the Lord for a season, rejecting him, denying him, and are rededicating your life to following Jesus today, then we'll baptize you as well. Third, if you want prayer as parents, if you want prayer as parents to know how to raise your children in the ways of God, to get yourself fired, if you want prayer as grandparents to know how to intercede for your kids and your grandkids who may even be far from the Lord, if you want prayer as grandparents to know how to model kingdom living in front of your kids and grandparents well with weird family dynamics being there, we wanna pray for you this morning. And if you want prayer for anything else, our prayer teams will be up here. Actually, if Todd, Sarah, could you guys come up here? Glenn, Suzanne. Dan, Mari, could you guys come up here as well? Frank, Norma. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here in the middle. If you are saying yes to Jesus today for the first time, if you want to get saved, I'm telling you, don't leave the building. Don't leave the building without saying yes to Jesus. Stop putting it off. Stop putting it off. Stop letting the devil's trying to kill you. He wants you dead. He is going out of his way daily to kill you. And by the grace of God, you are alive. You're not alive to take up space. You're not alive to vote Republican. You are not alive to take up a chair here. You're alive to become a follower of Jesus and to expand his kingdom on earth. That's why you're alive, to bring glory to his name. Your life is not your own. Don't waste time anymore. Just stop it. Humble yourself. Anyways, I'm going to be here. If you're saying yes to Jesus, Derek, can you come up here too? If you're saying yes to Jesus or you want to be water baptized, come and talk to us. If you want prayer for anything else, any other things we talked about, come and get prayer from one of these four beautiful couples up here who model what I taught today very well. And the worship team is gonna play a song. You can worship along with them, but continue to respond. Don't delay in Jesus' name.
Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.